And uh, let's see, uh, turn to the Word of God and, and look at that this morning. And uh, 180 preaching is what I want to minister on out of Jonah chapter 3 and verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Okay, so let's think firstly about declaration. Let's talk about how you deliver the message that you're going to give. And Pastor Greg has taught us that there are three preaching levels. There's conversational, that's face-to-face. You talk to someone, right? I've, I've started preaching, but now I can conversate. It's a different tone. Uh, it's not the same as, you know, Brian, how are you today? <laughs> it's different, right? So uh, in that, it's, it's these three preaching levels. So conversational, face-to-face speaking, that's your baseline. That kind of gives you an idea. Okay, here's, here's a reference point. So preaching starts with a level that is above conversational. All right, and that's where I'm at. I'm just above conversational, uh, especially because I'm speaking to an audience, you know, without a microphone to, to emphasize. So uh, that's where you're starting. When you take that mic and you say, if we could have no moving around for the next several moments, that's a declaration starting point above your normal conversation. And so connected to this is authority. That's one aspect. God, in our passage, he tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach. He wants him to go and proclaim a message that has come from God to declare the king's message. And so when he goes there, if he's coming with a message from God, it's going to come with authority. So that's one aspect of why your level is is elevated has to do with authority. But then connected to that is persuasion. Okay, so what I mean by that is, do you believe what you're saying? That is going to come through in your preaching level. You might say, well, but but I I was, you know, just a, a, a little bit nervous. And you might feel a little bit nervous, but if that's the way you communicate the king's message, it's not, no one's going to believe you. They're going to think, he doesn't even believe what he's preaching. He doesn't believe what he's saying. This isn't real to him. So part of that, that illustration level above conversation, it connects with that art of persuasion. You speak it with authority... You speak it with an elevated voice and people uh, uh, believe you. Then connected to that, of course, is attention. Is that you are drawing people in to your message. You're, You're getting their attention. They're listening to you. And then, you know, in that, it's not just loud for loud sake and I'm in the same tone. If you notice, there's a cadence. There's intonations. There's pauses, there's a tone, there's a rhythm. And you, people, subconsciously, they're tuning into that. It's it's pulling them in. So that is the first idea there, is the preaching level. Where do you start 
baseline is conversational for you, so a step above that. You take that mic, we could have no moving around for the next few minutes. I want to share with you a story, right, right away. It's, it's elevated authority, persuasion, attention. Okay, then preaching will move, and we're just talking about levels right now. Your voice. Preaching then moves to a level above your illustration. Okay, so baseline is conversational. Where you start, illustration level, telling the story, is above that. And then you get into preaching the gospel declaration. In other words, this is a point in your altar call where there's a transition that happens where you move from your story into the gospel declaration, which is sin and Jesus. Let's read Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, so that's, that's what you're delivering. That's the gospel declaration. You want to sum it up? The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ. That's the gospel in a nutshell. And so now you're going to move from illustration level to that gospel declaration. You are now pointing out to people and giving them the revelation. What is sin? You define sin. Sin is doing what you want to do instead of what God wants you to do. Sin is living for yourself, pursuing your own uh, 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 agendas, uh, things that satisfy you. But then you talk about the curse of that, the curse of sin, the results of sin, the wages or the payment. What does sin deserve? The Bible says death, right? So you're establishing that, but it's a declaration above that illustration and then you bring in, you've defined sin, you've uh, 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 talked about the curse of it in people's life, the result of it, but now you bring in hope. Christ incarnate, but God came to this earth. Christ crucified. He died in your place. The death that sin deserves, Jesus paid for it. You're declaring that Christ resurrected. I want to tell you, he didn't just stay dead and in a grave. He rose from the dead and he can break sin in your life. He can deliver you. He can set you free. It's a declaration. You feel it. There's power in it. But it comes back to that authority. So now, lastly, in the volume levels... Baseline is conversational. You start with illustration level. The gospel declaration level, it's a step above that. Then you come back to that illustration level for your appeal. This is where heads are bowed, you, eyes are closed, and you're calling for hands raised. This is a moment where it can, you can really wind down to conversational level. It feels like that's what you need to do. I'm going to tell you, you, you'll start losing people in our building right now. Sometimes you don't feel it when you're on the stage and sometimes you don't feel it when you're in the nest. 
at the sound booth, but when you're in the crowd, there's a lot going on. A lot of distraction, there's a lot of conversation happening, there's a lot of whispers and different things, and, and if you're in conversational level, in that moment, people are just going to tune out. But if you have preached and you are staying at that illustration level, you don't lose all your intensity, but you begin to pull, maybe this is you tonight. You're here and you're, you recognize you're not born again. You're not saved. I want to tell you, you can get saved tonight. You can be forgiven. Right? You don't lose that intensity and you keep their interest. You keep their uh, attention because there is a spiritual war happening in that moment. And hell likes to distract. And hell wants to pull that attention. And so here, you're keeping that dominion. You're keeping that authority. You're keeping that pace and that rhythm. And you're pulling for hands raised. So, I say those levels because a poor delivery, an unsure delivery, a timid delivery, a, uh, you know, reserved delivery can negatively impact maybe your really good message. Something you labored on, something you, you, you uh, uh, studied for, something you, you know, you, you put in the work. And so if you're too soft or passive, people won't believe you. If you're too quiet or indirect, people can miss the message and then miss your instructions. Are you ever had those altar calls where it's like, man, that was good, and, and, and why aren't hands being raised? It's because you're actually not telling them. Right? This happens is, is you're so vague, like maybe, maybe, maybe you want God. Maybe you want God tonight. I want to help you to, to, to find God. And so how many would there be? You want God. They're like sitting there like, what do I do? How do you know, you got to tell them. You're here to, this is you. You want to be born again? Raise your hand because I want to help you to pray right now. I want to help you to invite Jesus Christ into your life. But by raising your hand, you're showing me right now, I want to pray. I want Jesus. I want what you just preached about. I want deliverance. I, right? And it's, you're pulling. You're pulling for those hands to be raised. So that's in the volume though. Those are the preaching levels. Let's think about the altar call ingredients. So there's five ingredients to a successful altar call. These, of course, I learned from my pastor, Pastor Greg. He's in, uh, given us the instruction, given us the understanding. And uh, these, I heard these uh, probably 15 years ago. And they just stuck. And everywhere I've gone, I've used this method for altar calls. Everywhere I've gone, I've taught this method for altar calls. It is successful. So the five ingredients. Number one is your illustration. Your altar call should have an interesting story that illustrates a theme of the gospel. Okay, that, that, you got to understand that illustration... That story 
helps people understand one idea of the gospel. Now, of course, there's going to be multiple things in the scriptures you say when you're defining sin, when you are uh, uh, talking about Jesus Christ and, and forgiveness, etc. But there's got to be one central theme. What am I preaching on in this altar call? It might be the main theme is forgiveness. Your story has something to do that illustrates forgiveness. It might be the ruling nature of sin. Right? I'll tell you about a guy who bought a Bur uh, Burmese python. Okay, I know where this is going. It was small, but then it grew, and then he couldn't keep it in the cage, and so he let it roam his house. And one night when he was asleep, right, that's the ruling nature of sin. And you're going to bring that story. It's going to get people's attention. It might be something along the lines of a legal pardoning. Someone who was actually found innocent, and the judge gave them a pardon, or someone who didn't deserve it. And someone in there saw them, and, and in their place... Dying in the place of someone. The idea or the theme of rescue. Whatever it is, got to sum it up. What is my main theme? What is the idea or the one thing I'm going to hone in on in this altar call from this illustration that I'm going to apply to people's life? That's illustration. Got to have an interesting story. And when you're doing that, you know, uh, break it down. You don't have to say there was a 25-year-old man who was born on in the city of to the parents were named. All of that stuff doesn't matter. There was a guy who bought a Burmese python. There was a guy who, you know, whatever that is, found a World War II era bomb and took it to his house. Right? It's all, whatever that is, you just break it down. Sometimes you can get fumbled and jumbled up on the names, you know, especially if it's a weird, you know, name. Abdul Gawandi, you know, it's an author. But if you're up there, and there's a man by the name of, uh, oh, darn it, what was it? Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, you know, it's just that, that loses your crowd. So narrow it down. Get the facts. Get the essence. So illustration, then you move to the application. How does this story that I just said, how does it apply to the listener's life? The person in the audience, they're hearing this story. They're hearing this, this idea and man, why do people do that, Burmese python? Why do people do that? Take home a World War II era bomb. Why, why would you mess with that, right? Is you're, you're thinking about it, but then you apply it. You know what, though, this story is like you and I. That's a transition statement. You're moving from your story, you're applying it to the listener's life. It's like me. And then you say, like our story, if it's forgiveness is your theme, we need forgiveness. Like this story... If it's a ruling nature, there's something ruling in your life. Like this story, you have guilt and shame. Like this story, we just heard someone died in your place. Like this story, you are in need of a rescue. 
In other words, you have that theme, and how does that apply to that listener? How does it apply to that audience? And how now does that make a parallel to the gospel? Because that transition statement moves you forward. Moves you forward into the gospel declaration. So think about this. Illustration. Let's just take, you know, and pulling this out of the air, the Burmese python story, right? It's easy. Let's talk about ruling nature. So, guy has the, the python, it, it grows one night, it, it consumes him. He was found, you know, gone missing and they found a fat Burmese python. Okay, application. How, how does this apply? You know, this is like God. There is something that wants to rule and dominate in your life. It's not a python. I'm talking about sin tonight. Boom, right? You went story, application, gospel declaration. In a simple, smooth transition. And you begin to define sin. Sin starts small. The Bible says in Genesis. Okay, that's another thing. If you're going to pull the gospel, you don't have to say every single scripture. You got to know the essence of the scripture, though. You should be able to find it later, okay, if someone asks. But is, uh, is, uh, uh, the Bible says in Genesis that sin lies in wait. It wants to rule over you. It wants control over you. The Bible declares to us that sin is a life force that wants to grow and consume arenas of your life. You're declaring the gospel, right? And it comes with a cost. The payment or the wages of that sin as it grows and develops, it produces death, broken relationships, depression, fear, anxiety. Maybe it's addictions. You're bound. You're, right, and you're bringing all of that and, and you want to use scripture in it because the Holy Ghost moves through that, moves through the word of God. And again, if you don't know exactly, sometimes that can be a stumbling. Know the book at the least. And if you can't remember in the moment, just say, right? You could say the Bible says in Romans 6 that the wages of sin. But if you're in the moment, in the nerves, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, right? You can't remember what book it is. I know it's in there. But you can just, in the moment, filter those out people get stuck there and, and it's a distraction the bible says in romans uh, 5 no no uh romans 6 uh, chapter 3 uh no wait uh sorry it's uh and you'll lose it just flow with it bring in the gospel i don't tell you there's hope tonight that hope is found in jesus christ christ incarnate god left his heavenly throne came to this earth in the form of a man Lived a perfect and a sinless and a holy life. A clean and a pure life. Christ incarnate, Christ crucified. And he allowed his life to be hung on a cross. Died in our place. Shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sin. Right? You bring that through and then Christ resurrected. But you know what? He is risen from the dead and he can deliver you. Whatever thing is ruling in your life, whatever thing has produced bad habits, broken relationships, whatever thing keeps you bound and addicted, you can be free because Jesus is alive. 
He's risen from the dead. And you begin to declare that, the Holy Ghost moves through it. Then you come, right? Illustration, application, gospel declaration. Now it's appeal. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Now you're bringing all of them to a decision. How many here, as I'm preaching, you recognize you need forgiveness? Like our story earlier, you're bound to sin. It's ruling in your life, but you want to be free. Right? You're pulling them. You're appealing to them. Find some fillers. Personally, when I was preaching, when you're up there, there's things that it feels like eternity when you're up there, but it's not. Things go fast. And so there'd be times where I'd get to this appeal and say, how many here, you want, you want Jesus, you want to give your life to him, you want to pray, would you lift your hand? And in that moment, no one lifts their hand. And then I would just like, where do I go from here? Okay, well, let's all stand, you know. No, you're pulling. You want to you encourage their courage. How many would there be right now? God's dealing with you. You feel it in your chest. There's a, there's a drawing. There's a pull. You got to have some fillers, in other words. Fill the space. If you were to be honest right now, let some things hang. If you were to be honest right now, there's things in your life. You feel the guilt of it. God wants to set you free from your guilt. There's things in your life. You feel the shame of it. God wants to set you free. How many would there be? Quickly, lift your hand right now. Come on, quickly. God's tugging on your heart. In other words, you're appealing to them, giving them the courage. And then uh, uh, in that appeal, hands would be raised. Now, I just want to add something here. In a building our size now, so it's pretty wide than it's ever been in 180. And it's pretty deep, right? I think we have 380 chairs set up somewhere in there. 380, and it was, it was pretty full last night. And so that's, that's, a big, that's a big wide group of people. So you lifted your hand. I want you to look up at me, right? People start looking up at you. You meant that? Or actually, this is what I meant to say. You lifted your hand. I want you to look up at me and lift your hand again. Look up at me and lift your hand again. Why? Because sometimes you don't see that hand. You have guys pointing, they're in the back like, right over here, there's a guy. Right. I see that hand. You know, and, and so, so when it comes to that point, you lifted your hand. Would you lift it again and look at me? So now their hands lifted. Look at You meant that? You meant that? I, you meant that? I believe you did. You meant that? Would you do me one favor? Would you just stand where you're at? Stand where you're at. Okay, they're going to stand. I want to help you to pray. Just stand where you're at. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just want you to stand. You help them along. Now I want you to come forward. We're going to have someone pray with you. Okay, so number one, that's going to help you because you don't always see the hand. But now they're going to raise their hand and acknowledge. And think about what you're doing. You're bringing them forward in steps. You're little by little giving them the, encourage, the, the encouragement to come forward. Because sometimes you say, you, you lifted your hand, look up at me, and maybe you saw some. Maybe I didn't see your hand. I want you to just come forward. They're, I'm not even. Because they don't know what's going to happen. So... Look at me, lift your hand, stand, all right, stand. I want you to come forward, okay, you're right, the little steps, and you're helping them along. All right, that's the appeal, finally is the time. We allow 10 minutes for the altar call from start to stand.
from start to stand. We could have no moving around for the next few minutes. That's your start to let's all stand together as people have come forward for the altar. Somewhere in there, 10 minutes, you know, give or take uh, a few minutes because it's possible to go too short. In other words, you blaze through it. I read a story about a guy and he was, uh, 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 you know, and, and, and you're burning through it. And then how many want to pray? How many want to get saved? It's like you didn't, you didn't give any time for anything to really sink in. So it's possible to go too short. It's possible to go too long. Right? Where you drag it out. Some people, it's, they drag it out in pride. And then they start berating people. Right? How many here? I know you're out there. Come on, be honest. You're on your way to hell right now. Lift your hand. Don't fight God. It's like, they're not fighting God. They're fighting you. <laughs> so... So you drag it out in pride or you can drag it out in repetition. This is why altar call preparation is important. Because you know your story. You, your application is clear to you. It's a smooth transition to the gospel declaration. It flows. So you're not repeating things. You're not saying the same thing 17 different ways. And lastly, it can go too long if you have a lack of awareness. Right? In some way, get a gauge. This is why it's good to practice. What does a 10-minute altar call feel like? Right? What, what does that feel like? And you develop a sense for it. Okay, altar call results. So these ingredients will help you get the results you desire. What do we want? <clears throat> Hands raised. People praying. And ultimately... Conversions. Conversions. People would look and say, man, when you preached and when you said, that was me. That was my life. That's where I was at. And the beauty about a theme is you might feel like, well, I got to cover everything. The beauty about a theme is you cover one thing with excellence and it just hits like an arrow hits that mark and it leads to conversions because it's linear right it flows in a smooth way that you're leading people to that decision point you're helping them through because at the end of the day you know what's going to happen they don't our church knows what's going to happen by the time we get to the altar call right immediately people just you know they cozy in for that 10-minute altar call. When you say, let's have every... They know. They're bowing their heads. They know it when it's time. They know what's going to happen. Visitors, guests, sinners, they don't. So they're there. So you've got to walk them through. And this will help your altar call be clear and have that clear application. And people will be able to, by the Spirit of God, find themselves in your altar call and say, yes, that's what I need. Okay, let's open for some questions. Questions on this. Yep, Phil. Um, do you read the text first and then get the theme from the text and then find a way to 
So, so the ingredients actually for an altar call has nothing to do with a text. Okay, your, your, it's your illustration. Yeah, your story is uh, where you're pulling your theme from. You, you, you want to look for, you know, so, so obviously, like I said, whatever theme of the gospel you're preaching, it, so you might feel prompted, you know you're, you're going to be preaching the, the next concert, and uh, you might feel prompted, God just inspires you on the thought of forgiveness. So you might find a story uh, on forgiveness. God prompts you on the, on the thought of uh, a new start. And so, so in some way, that's, you find a story that fits that. Or what I often did is every time I read the news, every, you know, um, whatever apps those were, every time I was uh, hearing stories, maybe uh, news reports on the radio, wherever, anywhere and anything, my ear was in tune for illustrations. And so then I had a, like I have today, notes for sermon ideas, I had notes for altar calls as an altar call preacher and stories that I was saving. So then when it came to it, it wasn't like, oh, darn it, I need an illustration. It's Friday night. It's Saturday morning and I'm preaching tonight. That's, I didn't want to live like that. And so then I had all these stories. So then I would just kind of scroll through stories. You know what? I like that story. I have, you know, as I was putting this together in my earliest altar calls, I can remember some of them. They were that clear. I can remember them. I can remember the story from Iraq of a grenade that was thrown into a Humvee. And one of the soldiers ran. He jumped on that grenade, saved his entire platoon, gave his life for the lives of the men in that, in that Humvee, gave his life in their place. Boom, that's an easy application. There's someone, they died for you took the pain, the sting, the death that you deserve. I had a guy in the ER come in one time. He was a cancer patient, terminally ter 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 ill. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, he came in because he was, he was just in so much pain internally. His pain meds weren't cutting it. And he said, this is why I'm here. And the nurse said, you know what? For, for being terminally ill, and, you know, had so many months to live, you know, you look pretty good, all things considered. And he said, I look good on the outside, but on the inside, I'm full of cancer. Man, that's an illustration. You have something on, the, you look good on the outside, but there's something inside. This is, this is I'm talking 15, you know, now 12 years ago, over 12 years ago, Right? But they're in there because they were so clear. It was so applicable, right? So that's what I'm talking about, is, is you keep a run of illustration, whatever, life presents things, and you'll find them. So that's where you start, always. It's an illustration. From the illustration, you pull your theme. From your theme, then it determines the direction you go, right? You don't want to talk about someone giving their life for you and wind up in bound and addicted, like, those are two different themes, right? So your, your scripture choice and your gospel delivery is going to be impacted and determined by your theme. Yep. 
Uh, hand, Toadie. Again, it just depends on time. It may flow, Tony, um, but too few scriptures is possible. I remember, and I don't know who it was, but I remember Pastor Greg sharing a story of, you know, uh, uh, yeah, so we came to Serious Men, and uh, then when the kitchen was in there, so he, we, he comes in, and we're all at the table, he goes, let's all stand over here, and we just went to where the kitchen was for whatever reason, and and uh, he starts uh, challenging us about uh, the word of God. He said, the, there was a uh, recent altar call, whoever it was, he said, never mentioned scripture once. He didn't use a single scripture. Didn't mention Jesus. All right, so right now, I'm going to challenge you. What's, tell me a scripture right now about sin. He's pointing at people. I'm like, dear Lord, don't point at me because my, my brain is blank, you know. And, and he just said, Tim, you know, it was exactly that. Scripture on sin, Jesse. I was like, I don't think the Bible talks about sin, honestly. I don't think, I don't think it's, in the, it's not in the Greek, you know. There's no such word. I just blanked, Tony. I blanked. And Tim, Pastor Tim Miller now, he said, Romans 6, 3, the wages of sin is death, you know, and he, he just says it, he interjects, and he goes, you're not Jesse, and, and he goes on. <laughs> so it's possible to use too few scripture like you didn't use any, or things that, you, points you're making, right? Hard-hitting points you're making, it's good to say, the Bible says, it says in, right? You can just, and you don't have to say long, drawn-out portions of the scripture, just what you need. Just the essence of what you need. So, yeah, it is possible to use too few, too much. I think would just be the factor of time. Maybe you can only fit so much in in that 10-minute window. Yep. Daniel? If you know the scripture, use it. Yeah. But don't get hung up on it. It's like, you know, if you don't say it, the exact, you know, book, chapter, and verse, right? You might say book and chapter. You might just say book. But what happens, in, and the reason I say that is guys get stuck and hung up and then they start tripping over their words and they lose that rhythm and cadence is all. But if you have it in you, absolutely, use the full verse. Yep. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned in the order, how do facts of that make Chris Manuels? It's time. Just your time, that 10-minute window. So illustration application, gospel declaration, your appeal, and then finally was just how long it takes you. Right. Yep, the time. <laughs> yep. You mentioned a lot of practical things like writing all that. Is it possible to do the directions of what you thought or how you would get there? It can be if you're moving fast, right? Sometimes in nerves, you know, you're, you're up there and you feel like when you're delivering that you're here, but really you're like, and I just want you to know that, uh, and Jesus says, and, and, and you're just like flappy bird and, you know, just all over the show. Uh, or sometimes it's possible that you don't realize and you're just here. And the Bible says, and the Bible tells us, uh, and, and, and the wages of sin, and, and, and you're here and you're moving, but all of this group, you're not engaging them and they're not going to listen to you, Right? So it is possible to move too fast, 
It's possible a little bit to move too, too little, but I mean, if you can even just stay in the center, if, if you're comfortable there, you know, sometimes it's hard for people to walk and chew gum at the same time or to move and think about all those things, but sometimes it's just helpful, you know, you're here, but you're acknowledging and just even switching hands with the mic, it looks bigger, it feels bigger, depending on your audience, right? And you're engaging the entire crowd, yeah. So if you're moving too fast or you're stuck in one side, yeah, all those things can, can negatively impact your message. You want to involve the entire audience. Yep. And that'll just come with practice. Yep. Uh, let's get Devin in and then we'll jump to you. Uh, how do you not get ahead of yourself and keep it linear and also fall that fear of rejection? For instance, you mentioned the guy jumping on the grenade. Usually that would... Like the application of that, you know, Jesus died for us. Sure. Would be at the end, and, and to keep from jumping to that right away. Sure. How would you? Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. So what? Okay. That story. What? What was the threat? What was the threat? In that story, that yeah. They're all gonna die. They're, well, what, but what was thrown in? Right. A grenade. The grenade is the threat. So there's something threatening your life. It's sin. That's the threat, right? But he jumped on it just like Jesus took our sin upon himself. So that's how you can get from illustration, application, gospel declaration and sin. You, you gotta, you, you find those. It illustrates it. So would you wait to bring in the saving factor? I would just, you know, you make the application. Okay. Like the men in this story that were saved, you know, by, and I had his name, you know, back then, but whatever is uh, you and I need saving and someone died in your place. Boom, and then you go into sin and et cetera. Yep, yep. Uh, when you're up there and you're looking around and looking down, do you even look at people? I, I personally don't, you know, uh, anytime. Since I was uh, preaching, uh, uh, you know, at the um, 180, since I was preaching there, I always just look just at the tops of everyone's heads. And for the most part, that's what I do now, you know, because you say something, you know, and it's just like, uh, you know, you're bound in sin. You're bound by pornography, you know, and that person's like, no, I'm not. I promise I'm not, you know, and everyone around them is like, oh, you know, so I, I pan. I pan just above everyone's heads, even, even in a setting like this for the most part, unless, you know, I'm answering questions. Um, in, in service, same thing. You know, you, you might feel like I'm looking, but I'm just looking just above everyone's heads at the back wall. Otherwise, it can be distracting, right? You might be preaching, and, and maybe you're a little nervous, and you're kind of stumbling over yours, and you're patting the crowd, and there's people, and you're like, oh, darn it, am I even preaching the gospel right now? Or, or are they laughing at me? And it gets in your head and can become a distraction. So that's me personally. Yep. Yep. Yes, I am. You mentioned in the end, like when you're doing a fill, that you need to have filler to continue to Yeah. So how do you, I mean, like, is that like, do you have a timing or are you trying to be sensitive to, if there's nothing going on? Sure. What kind of helps you to, I guess, go for Let's all stand or yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I I would practice my time, 
And like I said, it was my first few altar calls that that would kind of spin me out. And then I started listening to other men who were preaching at that time. I'd listen to Pastor Stephen when he would preach. I'd listen to now Pastor Tim Miller. I'd listen to, you know, guys around me, Pastor Angel. And um, I would listen because that was my most difficult arena. I would, I would listen to what they would say and I'd be like, oh, I like when Stephen said. I like how Angel said. I like how Tim said. And I just kind of began to build a little mental file, a little template for those fillers, right? And so uh, now that's, that's how I developed that. But then if, if you're talking about how long is too long or how, if you should keep going, it's a sensitivity thing, right? So, <clears throat> you know, part of why I began to recognize came from feedback, number one. My wife would be like, it was so anointed, but you didn't really give people time. I was like, it felt like forever up there, you know? It felt like I was saying, how, how many would there be? You're here, at, you want to lift your hand, you want to pray. And, it, you know, it felt like I did that forever, but really I only said it maybe three or four times. And then let's all stand. But then people came forward, right? So that was indicator to me, number one, feedback from my wife, my pastor, uh, the concert director, right? They're telling me those things. You can draw it out. God was moving on hearts. You got to give them some time, fill the space, you know? And then secondly, it showed in the results. If we all stand and five people come forward, well, maybe I could have pulled a little longer, right? And you, you build a file for that. The thing I owe is, is it's going to come with practice and experience, okay? When a guy preaches for the first time, I'm not expecting you know, Richard Ruby at conference, right? Is, is they're just starting. They're gonna go too fast. They're gonna go too slow. It may not be 100% clear, but you know what? I'm working with them and giving them an opportunity, right? And that's what I want. So it'll take some practice and you'll build a file. You know what? I did feel that. I did feel that people needed to raise their hand. I could have, and then it's a dominion issue sometimes. Right, so it's all these little factors, but you, you got to flow with it. There's not a formula. Yep, but definitely preparation will help. After you've given me a few aspirins and raised everybody's hands and you start the altar call song, do you recommend continuing to preach? I've noticed some guys, they will, they'll kind of like preach over the song. Like, yeah, sure. There's still time to respond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, it just, de- it just depends in that time. If your altar call was clear, you don't have to preach again. And, and sometimes, you know, there's still time. Might be because you're seeing visitors, right? But what should be happening is people dealing with them. So it's ineffective if you see people dealing with visitors and you're like, it's still time, come forward. It's like... They're listening here and that what? There's an announcement, you know, is if they're dealing with them, you're just allowing time, right? Let's sing that again, you know, as people are, are responding, as we continue to uh, deal with visitors, you know, you can say something like that to, so that you're, you know, so the crowd knows, but if they're dealing with people and then sometimes there's still time might be if there's a flood of visitors and we just don't have enough help. And I've seen that where there's still time and 
people are just coming up and coming up and coming up, you know. So you just gauge it. Yep. Yep. But and then too, you know, just and maybe we'll talk about this in a later lesson, but just putting it in there. When you go to forward to pray with someone, just pray with them. Okay? You get there, it doesn't matter if they responded for uh, first time salvation or backslider. When they come forward, let's pray. Sinner's prayer. Amen. God has forgiven you. Your name is written in the book of life. New convert first time, can we get a connect card filled out for you? You know, do that. You don't got to be, and you know, in the sinner's prayer, renounce everything. I renounce, I renounce. Alcoholism, okay, I don't drink, but alcoholism, you know, nicotine, okay, I don't smoke or vape, you know, and people think you got to go through all, no, I repent of my sin. Trust me, God knows what they have been doing, okay, so you work them through, and then you don't got to, you don't got to deal with them the entire time, you know, just rejoice in their salvation, make a connection with them, get them to church, yep, good. Any other questions? Yeah, Daniel. Not so much. Uh, so we're going to also Yeah, in that you'll, you'll hear Pastor Greg, you'll hear Pastor Stephen, myself, Pastor Hart. Often we're connecting whatever our theme was uh, for the whole service. We're, we're implementing that theme into our altar call, right? Whatever it is you're preaching on, you've in some way, you know, you need to get right with God. Maybe, you know, like I ministered tonight, this is an area, right? So you kind of do that. You might implement what you've ministered on in the arena of, for an altar call for salvation. Yep. Yeah, it's brief. Yeah, I mean, and especially, you know, in a small group, right? There's one guest there, and it's like, how many would there be? You're wearing the hoodie. You know, it's like, like yeah. You want to lift your hand. I know it. You know what? Why don't you just look at me? You know, it's just, that's it's not the thing to do, right? So you just pass, you know, and, uh, and God's faithful. Yep. Well, if, yeah, I mean, sometimes, sometimes it might be spontaneous, but it doesn't have to, it's not the focus. It's not why we're there. Like, let's say you start the altar call. Yep. And, and Trent and you were the whole service for people. Sure. Okay. Would that be, like, how Exactly. Tailor it. Yep. Tailor your, tailor your altar call. Because we don't want to do, you know, you don't want to get the mic. And 20, 30 minutes later, you're closing, right? You're 15 minutes. You can do all of that in 15 minutes, pretty much, right? And so you're just conscious of time, which is why it's good to practice and record yourself. Yep. Um, how long should you try to leave for the appeal in case you do need to pray? Yeah, yeah, is, is you'll get better at it, you know. I, I can remember early altar calls being longer and my appeal having to be so short. But then I learn, okay, got to get the essence and you practice and you develop. You can tell a story in a few minutes, two to three minutes, the essence of it, make the application 15 seconds or less, 
right, and go into the gospel. So it's actually quite a bit of time. And so um, uh, if you feel, obviously, it's start to stand, give or take, a couple minutes, 10 minutes. If you, you know, if you're pulling because there's visitors and, you, and you, it's there, if you go 12 minutes, it's not like, that's it, Holy Ghost is out, you know. 10 is not a holy number, it's just, it's just that's a reference, yep, a reference point. So if you feel the need, you got to pull a little more, that's fine. Yep, Caleb? Depends, you know, again, you, you got to just have a sensitivity. There's been times where, you know, uh, I did an altar call at a children's workers conference and we had like 15 people come and get saved, but I just felt the spirit of God and, and I pulled on it. I could have just passed over it, right? You know, uh, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just part of it is, is you get a sensitivity for it. So you might think, ah, no one's here, no one's going to get saved, but then two, three people respond, so, yep, you don't want to burn through it like, well, no one's here anyway, you know, no, God is faithful to deal with hearts, yep, one more here, I.L. From the, the application to the gospel declaration, is there, you said there's levels in from between them, or is transition? No, you'll go from, uh, so baseline is conversational, illustration is above that, declaration is above that, appeal, you come back to that illustration level. So you never lose intensity. Yep. Good. Awesome. Great questions, guys. Always good to revisit these things.